This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. We begin with a trip back to 1945 and a show that was very popular on radio that year, Inner Sanctum. The show was created by producer Hyman Brown and was based on the mystery novels of Simon and Schuster. On, Feb- uh, pardon me, on January 7, 1941, an Inner Sanctum radio program premiered, the name licensed by Simon and Schuster, on condition that at the end of each broadcast, the announcer would promote the latest book title published in the series. The anthology series featured stories of mystery, terror, and suspense, and its tongue-in-cheek introductions were in sharp contrast to shows like Suspense and The Whistler. The early 1940s programs opened with Raymond Edward Johnson introducing himself as your host, Raymond, in a mockingly sardonic voice. A spooky melodramatic organ score, played by Lou White, punctuated Raymond's many morbid jokes and playful puns. Raymond's closing was an elongated, pleasant dreams. (laughs) His tongue-in-cheek style and ghoulish relish of his own tales became the standard for many such radio narrators to follow from fellow radio hosts. And now, let's get to tonight's show. It's entitled... The Black Art. Lipton Tea and Lipton Soup presents Inner Sanctum Mystery, starring Simone Simone. friends of the Inner Sanctum. This is, of course, Raymond, your host. Uh, Please come in, won't you? Uh, Make yourself comfortable in any gloomy corner. We had intended to have a real surprise for you tonight. Instead of myself, we were going to have a guest ghost to act as host. But, uh, unfortunately, this real ghost caught pneumonia and he's in a very grave condition. The doctors have given up all hope. He's, uh, going to become alive. (laughs) Well, Mr. Raymond, I must admit, I'm glad that that ghost couldn't come. Mm? It's difficult enough to talk to you, but heavens, I wouldn't know what to say to a ghost. Oh, well, that's simple, Mary. All you have to do is find out whether it's uh, a he ghost or a she ghost. And if it's a she? Oh, then you compliment her on her appearance. You say, darling, what a divine sheet you're wearing. <laughs> That's right, Mr. Raymond. Mm. The ladies are always interested in something new to wear. Mm. And right now, I'm going to tell them about something they'll all want. It's a lovely piece of jewelry. A real sterling silver medallion about an inch in diameter. 
It's the kind of jewelry you find at those smart shops on Fifth Avenue in New York. But the only way you can get it is from Lipton. The medallion is decorated with a Chinese inscription. And it's hung on a narrow black rayon satin ribbon. That's the height of fashion this year, you know. And here's how you get the medallion. Just send 25 cents and the box top from a package of Lipton. The tea with the brisk flavor. To the Lipton Tea People, Box 92, New York City. Yes, that's Box 92 in New York City. And uh, now it's time to begin. Our story is called The Black Heart. It's an original tale by Milton Lewis. And our star tonight is that glamorous motion picture star, Simone Simone, who play the role of Claudine. So, uh, gather close and get ready to hear a sweet little tale that'll make you wake up screaming for at least the next two weeks. You all set? Now remember, if you don't want your hair to stand on end, get someone to sit on your head. Okay? <laughs> all right, now, let's, uh, let's hear Larry Gifford tell you his story in his own words. I wish I never heard that scream. I wish I never saw a body lying there. Blood all over the room. A knife on the floor near her throat. I'll never forget it. I'll never forget how I picked up the knife. I'll never forget the sweat that came creeping out all over me when I heard the door slam. Stand where you are. If you make a move, I'll blow your head off. Don't shoot, copper. Drop that knife. Okay. What's your name? Larry. Larry Gifford. Look, I'm from Chicago. Stranger, huh? Yeah, what of it? What's her name? Her? I, uh, I don't know. I never saw her before. Look, you don't have to frisk me. I haven't got a gun. Shut up. Listen, I, I know it looks bad, but you see, my room's downstairs. I heard a scream, and I... Give me back that wallet. Yeah. Oh. Your hands up. Roll papers. What of it? So I'm an ex-con, so what? You don't know her, huh? No, I don't. I... What have you got there? Just a picture I found in your wallet, mister. Picture of her. To Larry. With all my love, Nancy. I reckon you forgot about this, huh? Yeah, but look, I didn't kill her. I, I Shut I... up. I think I heard that screaming came up here. Pull out your hands. Sure. You can have them. Here. Come back here. Come back. streets gladly. The gardens, when they heard the shots and scream, I was dumped in jail. Well, this was a little bird in the bio country not far from New Orleans. I was the biggest thing that hit the town since Ripley's Believe It or Not. For them jerks, my trial was a bigger show than Carmen Miranda and Gypsy Rose Lee doing a trapeze act. In no time at all, they sentenced me to be hung. The night before, they were going to take me to the state pen for the necktie party. I was sleeping. Dreaming I was in Africa. They were beating them drums. Tom-toms. Suddenly, I woke up. Moonlight was shining through the bars of my cell. I listened. Someone was beating like a tom-tom on the wall of my jail. Who is it? Who's doing that? Larry Gifford. 
Yeah, that's me. Were you beating on the wall? I'm under your cell window. What do you want? Drop one end of your die through the bars. Okay. There. I've got it. What are you doing? Pull up your die. Okay. Got it? A gun? Yeah, yeah, I got it. Good luck. Goodbye. Thanks, baby. Whoever you are. What's going on there, Gifford? Huh? Oh, nothing. Why? I heard talking. Oh, I, I was talking in my sleep. Never done that before. I never was going to be hung before. What you holding there? Come here, I'll show you. Let's see. A gun. Yeah, and it's got enough bullets to fill your head with lead. Let go of me. Open that door. Open that door. Give it to you between the eyes. Go on. Don't shoot. Okay. Now I'll take your gun. Give me those keys. See how you like it in there for a while. So long. Stop him. Prisoner escaped. Let's see him. Prisoner escaped. something about Dave since she was dynamite with class. She was something. Well? Set up another, Charlie. Cigarettes? There. Thank you. It's a nice cigarette holder. Must cost at least a C. You know a lot, don't you? Enough. I know you. Do you? Sure. There's something about... Wait a second. Here. Here in this evening's paper, your picture. Oh, it's not a very good picture, is it? After seeing you, no. Claudine Lucerne. Recently returned from France. Elected head of art committee. Miss Lucerne, member of one of New Orleans' oldest and wealthiest families. I've read it. Turn the page. Why? I want to show you something. Okay. There. Larry Gifford of Chicago, wanted for murder, is sought by police after sensational Jane Blake. Better not read anymore. Why? Feel something against your side? It's a gun. I'm holding it in my pocket. Don't be afraid. I won't give you away. Got a light? Yeah. What do you want? Listen to that music. That tapping. What about it? The way you're tapping your cigarette holder against your glass. I'm just keeping time to the music. I heard that tapping before. Yeah, sure, in the cell. And I heard your voice before. Did you? You gave me the gun. Shh, let me hear you. Uh, uh, what's, what's this all about? You'll find out. Relax. I, I can't. I guess I had a few too many. My head, I 
feel like I'm spinning around, getting dizzy. Two green eyes, pink with blood around the edges, looked at me out of a queer furry head. It was the head of a bat. It smiled. It had sharp little bat teeth that had pink on them. There was an ache in my throat. I looked again. It wasn't a bat's face. It was hers. Claudine's. I was dreaming. Larry? Hmm? Oh, well, where am I? My suite at the hotel. Ah, how'd I get here? You passed out on the blue bottle. I brought you here. When? Two hours ago. Oh, I must have been sleeping. I had the queerest dream. I thought... I... Oh, oh. What's the matter? Oh, my, my throat. That pain, like a knife. Those green eyes of yours. Red mouth. And those white teeth. Look, we're, we're going to have a showdown right now. I mean, I'm... Where's my gun? I took it. Look, what do you want with me? Nothing you don't want to do yourself. Don't talk in riddles. Have you have you ever been in love? Sure, dames are always falling for me. Why? I guess that's what happened to me. Are you kidding? No. Do you think I'd get you out of jail if I were? But I, I never saw you before. I saw you at the trial. That, that's where it happened. How can a dame like you go for a guy like me? I don't know. But it happened. I, I don't believe it. I'm sorry. Come here. Yes? I'm going to kiss you, baby. Larry. Oh, Larry. It's a funny thing to do. Kiss a guy on the neck. Better wipe that lipstick off. I hey. What's in that? My handkerchief. That ain't lip rouge on my neck. It's blood. No, you're making a mistake. My neck's bleeding. What, what kind of a dame are you, anyway? I'm getting out. No, don't. If you go, I tell them who you are. Oh, you will. Yes, uh, and I... You... Oh! You won't tell them for a while, baby. <laughs> Grady's joint in the old city of New Orleans was just a place. She'd never find me in that dump. Nobody'd ever find you there. I got a room. I went to sleep. I was safe. Then I heard it again. That same rhythm. It woke me up. I heard it, but I couldn't believe it. How could she know I was here? Oh, was it her? There was nobody in the room. I opened the door. Nobody outside. I slammed it. The beating stopped. I turned around. It's looking into the muzzle of a gun. Sit down, Larry. <laughs> How'd you get here? My Grady ran to the room next to you. There's a connecting door. What? What's the idea of a gun? 
Can't you guess? You're going to kill me? Maybe. Well, you're going to a lot of trouble to bump off a guy who's going to be hung anyway. Do you want to die? No. There is a way you can live. How? By coming with me. Yeah. What else have I got to do? Marry me. You're right over your head. You hate me? No. No, I, I, I don't. I don't hate you. I'm, I'm scared of you. Yeah, I, I've never been scared of anybody the way I'm scared of you. Scared enough to do as I say? Maybe. I had hoped you would love me. Maybe I do. You're lying. No. No, baby. <laughs> it's no use. Look, what are you going to do? Kill you? No, put the gun down. Give me a break. Don't. she tells someone she's gonna kill him, she does it. She'd make a wonderful wife for some Frankenstein monster. She's attractive, a good killer, and she has a well-developed taste for blood. Say, why should I hand her over to some other guy? She's just a gal for me. Nonsense, Mr. Raymond. Why, Mary Bennett, I believe you're jealous. I am not. Yes, you are. You're thinking what a handsome couple you and I would make strolling down the avenue, me dressed in a shroud, and you wearing your new sterling silver medallion. Now, mm. don't you go making fun of my lovely medallion, because I want all the ladies to send in for one. I know they're going to enjoy wearing it, because it's made of solid sterling silver, and it's really a fine piece of jewelry. Besides, there's a true story behind this medallion, an inspiring story. It seems that the original was given to an American flyer by Chinese guerrillas who rescued him after he'd bailed out over enemy territory. The flyer was told that the Chinese characters on the medallion would identify him and bring him safely through the lines. Well, he did get through, and only then did he learn that the medallion said, Good luck, in Chinese. Now, there's a story to tell your friends. And to get this good luck charm, just like the one the flyer carried, all you have to do is send 25 cents and the box top from a package of Lipton's, the tea with the brisk flavor, to the Lipton Tea People, Box 92. That's Box 92, New York City. Now, uh, let's get back to our star, Simone Simone, who seems to be making life hard for a guy named Larry. The last time we looked in, she had just shot him. But I've got a tip that that's only the beginning of his troubles. Uh, how about it, Larry? What happened then? I went down in a heap when she fired. The bullets caught me in the thigh. I lay there. Made out like I was dead. Larry. Larry. She fell for it. She bit over me. A gun in her hand. Larry. I... Oh. Take it easy, kid. Let go of my hand. Not like I get that gun. Let go. Let go. Get that gun if I have to break your arm. No, don't. Oh. Okay, I've got it now. You shot me in the leg, but I'm still strong enough to get rid of you. Larry. I'm no angel, baby, but you're worse. Here's something I heard about, but I never believed. How'd you know I'd be here? How'd you know I'd be in the blue bottle? Go on, answer me. I've got nothing to tell you. Oh, you don't have to. It was magic. Black magic. Somebody nobody'd believe if I ever told him. There's only one thing to do with you. Yes? Kill you. But I ain't taking any chances like you did with me. When I kill you, you're going to stay dead. Those tom-toms are going to stop forever. You think so, Larry? I know it. 
Come here. There Just we shut are. up. Oh! I knocked her out cold. She lay on the floor. I put the muzzle of the gun to her temple. She was so beautiful, it made you shiver. I pulled the trigger. I looked. What I saw nearly made me pass out. A little blue vein on her temple was beating. There wasn't a scratch on her. A little curl of red hair was twisted around her ear. Was I seeing things? I aimed the gun at her heart. Nothing. Not a speck of blood. I stuck the muzzle between her eyes. Shot till the gun clicked empty. I looked. The white skin on her face looked more beautiful than ever. I had to get away. Out of the same city where she was. Out of the same state. The same world. for the open country, to the bayous on the river back in New Orleans. My wounds festered as I dragged myself through the swamps, and I got a fever. It was like a nightmare. In my head, I kept hearing the tom-toms. I couldn't take a train or a bus or go to a doctor. I'd be caught. One night, I saw a big house shining in the moonlight. I decided to take a chance. I knocked at the door. What is it? Sorry, miss. I was hunting. I had an accident in my leg. Oh. If you let me come in and call a doctor, I'd be very grateful. You don't want to come into this house. Can't you see I need help? You'll never be helped here. There's nothing good here, only evil and fear. So go away, please. I'm warning you. Go away before my sister comes out. What's the matter with you? Don't you see? I can hardly move. Go away while you still have the strength to crawl away. Now, believe me. Tell Mr. Gifford to come in and close the door, Cassie. Uh, that voice. That's my sister. Yes, your sister. Claudine Lassan. Good evening, Larry. I was wondering when you'd get here. You know him? Yes. Mr. Gifford and I are old friends. Friends? How can you have a friend now, Cassie? He's someone like you. You mustn't mind her, Larry. Cassie isn't quite well. I don't know who you are, Mr. Gifford. But I do know that she's brought you here to kill me. Cassie? I knew it would happen on a night like this when the moon was full. She's been preparing for it for months. I've told everyone about it, but no one will believe me. I've told them again and again, and they say I'm insane. They think I've lost my mind. But she is going to murder me tonight while the moon is full. She's going to murder me. She... Oh. Go to your room, Cassie, immediately. here. Come, Larry. You must know by this time that you can't fight me. Yes, I... I thought I'd never see you again. I'm, I'm not well. I've got a fever. Hey, that tom-tom being in my brain. I can't stop it. It's getting louder and louder. What? I blacked out. When I opened my eyes again, I was in a soft bed with clean sheets. Someone had dressed my wounds. The moonlight came into my room like a living yellow ghost. Then I heard it. Just like the one Nancy made when she was killed. I limped out of bed, went to the room next door. It was Kathy on the floor, murdered. 
The knife was still in her neck. And I heard it again. The tom-tom. Queer sounding this time. I felt myself beginning to sway to the rhythm like a dancer. Then I did something I couldn't stop myself from doing. I put my hands down, drew out the knife. I wiped my bloody hand on my shirt. Suddenly I looked up. She was there, Claudine. Drop the knife, Larry. What? What have you got in your hands? These? These came from the skeleton of someone who was once alive. You're not a woman. You're a devil. I'm going to... Don't come any closer, Larry. I don't want to kill you just yet. Just, just yet? So we're close to the payoff. Yeah, you're trembling, Larry. Who are you? There's no reason why I cannot tell you now. You don't believe, do you, that there are unseen powers that can be controlled by someone who knows how? I can believe anything about you. Thank you, Larry. Your heart is pounding like a throbbing drum, isn't it, Larry? You can feel death close, can't you? What have you got to say to me? I'm going to tell you a story, Larry. A story of a child who was brought up on this estate by a strange old woman, a conjure woman. In her head were all the black arts of the world. She taught me. Why are you telling me this? It amuses me to watch you, a murderer, helpless and terrified. So terrified you can hardly breathe. I find it very exciting. Then... It, it was blood I found on my handkerchief. Yes. It is one of the ways to gain complete power over a person. And a tonto. Another spell to make you do what I want. And the murder of your sister? You want me to be the patsy for that? You're beginning to understand. You see, Cassie and I inherited the estate. There's really not enough for both of us. You tell them I did it. Yes. And that I killed you in self-defense. What, what are you looking at me that way for? I was remembering something. Remembering? Oh. That kiss, baby, wasn't it? You're a devil, but still a woman, ain't you? You didn't forget that kiss, did you? No. Well, what are you going to do? Come here. Closer. Well. Don't move. There. You... You're going to let me live. Live? When it's my life against yours, you fool. I'll put that gun down. When I'm finished. Please, give me a break. I'm begging you. Begging you? I'll do anything you say. Just give me a chance, please. Here it comes, Larry. Between your eyes. How do you feel today, Gifford? Much better, officer. Legs healing fine. We checked that crazy story you told us. It's all true. Tell me something. How'd you know to come to the Lucerne place when you're dead? You arrived just in time. A second later and she would have killed me. Kathy, her sister phoned us, told us to come out. I came in the room and saw her threatening you with a gun. I shot at her. I had to. Got her in the shoulder. Should have killed her. State will take care of that. Did you believe the story she told you at first? That I killed her sister and she was killing me in self-defense? No. You see, Gifford, we'd found out that you weren't a murderer. You didn't kill Nancy Warren. The man who did that confessed. That made her whole story false. 
How, how did she do it, Captain? How did she find out where I always went? Police psychiatrist said she did, did it by post-hypnotic suggestion. She told you where to go while you were asleep, and you never realized that you were always doing just what you wanted. But the bullets, when I shot at her and tried to kill her, how'd she do that? It was all carefully planned. The first shot she fired at you were real bullets. The others in the gun were blanks. She wanted to get you so thoroughly under her power that you think she couldn't be killed. You see, all this so-called black magic has an explanation. Has it? I wonder. Oh, that black magic. <laughs> I tell you what I'm going to do. Step right this way, friends, and get yourself a post-hypnotic suggestion. Spell it backwards and you get murder. Uh, what's that? You can't spell. Ain't you lucky? Talking of luck, Mr. Raymond, I think Larry Gifford was mighty lucky to escape that awful woman. Oh, well, you see, Mary, it's very simple. He probably wore one of your good luck medallions. Oh, now that's plain uh, silly. A man wouldn't wear a medallion on a black rayon satin ribbon. It's the ladies who like jewelry. Yes, that's why I know that they'll appreciate this solid sterling silver medallion that the Lipton people want to send them. And, ladies, here's how you get it. Send just 25 cents, which includes tax and postage, with a box top from a package of Lipton's, the tea with the brisk flavor, to the Lipton Tea People, Box 92 in New York City. The uh, moral for tonight's assault on your nerves is never marry a dame who sucks blood out of your throat. Such dames give you a pain in the neck. <laughs> by the way, this month's Inner Sanctum Mystery novel is The Red Right Hand by Joel Townsley Rogers. Yes, and don't you dare miss next week's story directed by Hyman Brown and brought to you by Lipton Tea and Lipton Soup. Next week's story is about a pair of murderers who get scared to death. They're more frightened than the guy they're murdering. So if you hear some static on your radio next Tuesday, it'll just be... <laughs> Their knees knocking together. <laughs> well, now I guess it's really time to close that there squeaking door. So, uh, <clears throat> good night for real. Pleasant dreams. <laughs> Folks, the next time you send a box of food to your boy overseas, be sure to include a package or two of Lipton's noodle soup mix. You see, Lipton's is just like a taste of home. Mm -hmm. It has the same homemade chickeny taste as the soup you make yourself. The soup your boy's always been so fond of. That's why it's such a thoughtful, welcome little gift to send Lipton's. And as you know yourself, Lipton's noodle soup makes a grand snack. So remember, send a package or two to your boy. And remember to tune in next Tuesday night for another Inner Sanctum Mystery. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Stay tuned for Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy as we hear the tale of Reindeer on Strike. 
again for Edgar Bergen with Charlie McCarthy. With Mortimer Snurd and Ray Noble and his orchestra, tonight's special guest is the cowboy king of television, Hopalong Cassidy. And now, Edgar Bergen with Charlie McCarthy. Christmas, everybody. And you too, Charlie. Uh, and Merry Christmas to you too, Bergen. You, 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 you good, kind, generous, old ex-tightwad, you. <laughs> I just can't spread that stuff too thick, you know. Yeah. <laughs> then you really think that Santa was good to you this Christmas? Oh, gosh, yes. Why, it, it, it's, uh, it's enough to make me wish that I deserved it. Is that so? Yes. It's the nicest Christmas I've had had this year. Yeah. <laughs> well, after all, it, it isn't everybody that's lucky enough to get a television set. No, no. For once I got what I wanted. <laughs> I'm a happy kitty with a brand new video. <laughs> Bergen, tell me, what t- what made you uh, break down like that? You sort of went all the way. Well, Charlie, I... I, I just wanted you to know. I just wanted to to show you how how much Charlie, how much you you mean to me. Gosh, Bergie, gee, your your lips are quivering with emotion. <laughs> or is that just bum ventriloquism? <laughs> Mean it, Charlie. You're a very good boy. Well, yes, I, I'll admit. I, I've been so good, I've been nauseating all. <laughs> it's a good thing Christmas finally came. I tell you, my halo was about to blow a fuse. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're happy. Yeah. Yes, today, today, everything is sunshine. I say, chaps, a frightfully jolly yuletide for you, eh, what? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, of course you have to expect a little fog now and then. <laughs> Merry Christmas, Ray. Same to you, Johnny. Gosh, did, did you see what Bergen gave me for Christmas, Ray? Can't guess, old boy, but I admire you for trying to be so cheerful about it. Well, now, Ray, I, I gave him a very expensive television set. Really? And after all, why shouldn't I? Why, after all, his happiness is my happiness. Yes, well, I hope my television set won't be your television set. Well, I know that I wouldn't want to part with my set. You know, I get twice as much sleep since I bought one. How's that, Ray? Well, with the ordinary radio, I used to sleep through the sound. Yeah. Now I sleep through the picture, too. I see. Yeah. <laughs> well, no matter how you feel about it, Ray, television is here to stay. Like me in the eighth grade. All right. <laughs> You know, I wonder how I would look on television. Well, don't you worry, Bergen. I'll stick by you anyway. Well, uh, <laughs> just a minute. Why shouldn't I make a good appearance on video? Well, Bergen, you, you, you uh, I just don't know how to say it, but you, you just can't wear your hat all the time. Or... I owe it to my fans to appear on television. Lots of people don't even know what I really look like. 
Uh, believe me, Bergen, it's better that way. No. Ray, do you think I would disappoint my public? Uh, well, why take a chance, old boy? I mean, you might leave a bad taste in their eyes. Oh. Say, Skinny Dugan and the gang will get a kick out of watching my television set. Yeah. I'm going to invite each kid on the day he gets his allowance. <laughs> Charlie, you aren't thinking of charging them. Charge nothing. It'll be strictly cash. Thank you. <laughs> Especially when Hopalong Cassidy is on. Yes, Hopalong Cassidy. He is certainly the most popular hero on television. Yeah. You know, Ray, his real name is Bill Boyd. Oh, is that so? Yeah. I'd always thought that Bill Boyd was the name of a theatrical magazine. No. <laughs> no, that's Bill Boyd. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Bill Boyd is a cowboy. Oh, a cowboy. Oh, one of those chaps. Oh, yeah. yes, one of those chaps. <laughs> Why do they always carry a rope with them? Well, that's to catch cows. Oh, really? But uh, what do they use for bait? <laughs> well, they, 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 you see, they did... No, I just won't answer him. I just... I refuse to get mixed up in anything like that. Well, Charlie, since you're such a great admirer of Hopalong Cassidy, I have another Christmas present for you. You have? I've asked him to come over here today so that you can meet him. You mean it, Honest? Yes. Hoppy is coming this way? That's right, Charlie. Well, partner, my cup of happiness is just slopping over today. <laughs> Easy! Maybe you'll teach me how to throw a lasso. A lasso? Yeah. Why? Well, I've got a certain truant officer in mind. And Charlie... <laughs> you a Merry Christmas. Oh, yeah, sure. Thank you. I suppose you hung up your stocking by the fireplace last night? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. And what did you find in it this morning? Uh, a big hole. A big hole. <laughs> I hung it too near the fire. <laughs> I'm a card. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm sorry to hear that, but I'm sure that Santa brought you the presents you wanted. No, no, he didn't, no. Maybe he had a little trouble reading the letter. Oh, I see. Why do you think that? Well, I wanted to be surprised, so I read it with my eyes closed. Oh, I see. <laughs> How did you do that? Well, I... You see, I was, uh... Oh, that don't even make sense. No, no, no. <laughs> Well, what did you want for Christmas? Well, mostly I, I mostly I wanted a, a flannel nightcap. A flannel nightcap? Yeah. Yeah, I like them. Yeah. With a tussle. Nice, <laughs> Do you actually sleep in a nightcap? Well, sure, you do. Well, just my head. Just your head, yeah. <laughs> 
for the rest of me, I, I wanted one of them, uh, one of them new plunging nightshirts. Plunging nightshirts. <laughs> They're real sporty, you know. That's for me. Yeah, sure. Well, old Santa has lots of boys to remember. Sure. And he works very hard. Well, he looked awfully run down last night. He did. Yeah. <laughs> you mean to tell me that you saw Santa Claus? No, I sure did. No, no, no. Oh, I'll cross my eyes and hope to squint. <laughs> Tell me about it. Uh, how did it happen? Well, you see, it was, uh, I'd say offhand, it was about, oh, round midnight, see? Yeah. And I, I heard a noise downstairs, see? Mm-hmm. First, I didn't pay no attention. And then, um, didn't pay no attention at all to it, you see? And, uh, so that's the way it is, you see? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, what was I saying? Uh, you... Uh, you heard a noise downstairs and you didn't pay any attention. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I thought probably it was me walking in my sleep. Walking in my sleep. <laughs> and then I felt around in bed and I was still in it. And then I got suspicious. You got suspicious. <laughs> but you finally went downstairs. Well, I, I sort of quietly croaked down, croaked down, yeah, and snuck up on him, I see. The poor fellow was so befuddled, he was putting things in his bag instead of taking them out. I see, he was putting things in the bag, huh? And what did he do when he saw you? Well, he held a gun out at me, and well, I told him I'd rather have a flannel nightcap. I see. Mortimer, that wasn't Santa Claus. The man was armed. Well, sure, he was leg too. Yeah, I know. What I mean is he might have blown your brains out. Oh, that's okay. I never use them anyhow. Well, what happened next? Well, then he turned a, he turned a splashlight on me. Uh, flashlight? Yeah. Uh, and when he saw my face, he scrummed a terrible scream. He did. Yeah. <laughs> and then he jumped out the window. So he screamed and jumped out the window. Oh, poor old Santa. When he seen me, I think he quit believing in people. <laughs> Santa Claus, that Santa Claus of yours, was a burglar. Yeah? Mortimer. Mm-hmm. Why are you so imbecilic? Oh, I guess it makes up for me being so homely. I think it does. I see you're all ready to welcome Hopalong Cassidy. Yeah, yeah, I got my chaps pressed and my spurs honed. <laughs> I'm a roaring, snorting buckaroo. And I wish I had a buck or two. <laughs> you mean you spent your whole Christmas allowance? Yeah, yeah. Empty pockets in the old corral. <laughs> Charlie, do you mean you'd rather have money than meet Hopalong Cassidy? No, no. But I hear he's loaded, and I just like to meet him on equal terms. I see. <laughs> well, hop along. I'd like to have Charlie McCarthy shake hands with you. Put her there, pard. Hi, Hoppy. Pull up a spur and sit down. <laughs> Thanks, Charlie. Well, young fella, Edgar tells me you're quite a Western fan. Yes, hop along. 
You're Charlie's favorite cowboy. Yeah, I even put a saddle on my new television set. <laughs> Partner, how you been? How you been writing on the range? How long about this? How long? Well, I started way back branding cows on the old bar double X, say, lazy Z, triple cross, diamond B, single Y, panhandles, Susie Q Ranch. Yeah. Partner, how could you brand all that on one animal? <laughs> Well, in those days, we had long cows. Yeah. <laughs> you had long jokes, too. <laughs> yeah. You know, Hopalong, I've been watching you on my TV set. How, how come you ride with your shoulders all hunched up sometimes? So I can squeeze through one of those ten-inch tubes. Oh. <laughs> well, Hopalong, don't worry. You'll always come through. You know, I dreamed about you last night, and if it wasn't for you, there wouldn't have been any Christmas presents this year. Hmm. You mean a bunch of ornery farmers tried to hold up the uh, stage sled? No, no, I tell you. It seems that Santa Claus was having a lot of trouble. You see, in this dream, <laughs> darnest thing, I was, I was Santa Claus's assistant, and my name was Charlie McCringle. And I was up there at the North Pole just before Santa was going to start his ride. What's the matter, Santa? You're not your jolly self. That last hole sounded kind of low. <laughs> well, yes, Charlie. Uh, Charlie McCringle, Santa's having a lot of trouble. A mighty lot of trouble. All right, Bergen, just play it. Don't hand it off. <laughs> well, I'm sorry to hear that, Santa Claus. I thought up here at the North Pole, I thought you'd be sitting on top of the world. <laughs> oh, I can't. I can't deliver my Christmas presents this year. No. You mean you're going to be left holding the bag? <laughs> I will unless my old friend Hopalong Cassidy comes through. He's the only man who can pinch it for old Santa Claus. I hope he doesn't let me down. Well, listen, that sounds like Hopalong. He must be riding on a cobblestone cloud. <laughs> Refused to ride tonight. What's wrong with the critters? Well, they ain't happy, Hoppy. They're angry with Hoppy. From pulling Santa's jalopy? Yeah. <laughs> no, they're, they're complaining because they say they do all the work and I get all the publicity. Well, Santa, you're a mighty big hero with all the kids, and that's not bad. No, no. You're not even on television. <laughs> That's exactly why the reindeer are dissatisfied. But everyone who knows Santa knows his reindeer just as well. Dander and Blitzen and all the rest. Well, that's right. And I wish you'd tell them that. I wish you'd just tell them that. I'm aiming to. Millions of kids all over the world are waiting for their Christmas presents, and we can't let them down. Come on, McCringle. All right. You and me will go over there and talk to those reindeer in the only language they understand. Reindeer. <laughs> Five down, five down, thank 
meeting of the benevolent and protective order of reindeer must come to order. Now, here's Hopalong Cassidy to listen to your troubles. All right, Blitzen, what's a ruffling your fur? If our demands are not met, no presents will be delivered tonight. We reindeer are revoked. You certainly are. <laughs> well, let's hear your demands, Prancer. Your hoof is up. What is it? Well, I think we reindeer should have one night off a year. Well, that's not so bad. What night do you want off? Christmas Eve. <laughs> that's bad. What are we going to do, Hopping? Uh, I don't know, partner. This is a new situation for me. This one calls for the cowboy to be smarter than his horse. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's play safe. Let's ask the horse to help us out. <laughs> Just a minute, friend. Simmer down, friend. What's on your mind, dancer? Well, uh, I have a beef, too. Beef? Uh, well, no, I don't exactly have a beef either because I'm 100% venison. That's the same. <laughs> That's the same as jerky. No. Uh, don't get smart with me, but you see, uh, we need more recreation. I like to dance, and there are no fawns up here. I see what you mean, partner. It's all work and no fawns. Oh. Hop along what you said. I got that from my horse. Oh, yeah. Well, Dancer, they may not be any lady reindeer around, but I didn't know you were the romantic type. Oh, heavens to Elizabeth, New Jersey, yes. Why, there, there's an oh, such a hungry, yearning, burning under the hide of me. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we ought to squirt it with a fire extinguisher. Yeah. Why be half saved? <laughs> very smart, but I'm in a snit already, and I just don't care who knows it. Really? And the only person who'd be happy with my job is an astronomer. An astronomer? Yes, an astronomer. You see, Comet is hitched to the sleigh in front of me, and I spend all my time staring at the Comet's tail. <laughs> I say, old boy, I'd like to make a motion. What kind of motion, Prancer? Oh, just any kind. I'm just tired of sitting here motionless. Oh, I don't see what you reindeer are kicking about. You've got the best jobs of any reindeer in the world. Now, I wouldn't say that, Hopabout. Hop <laughs> look here, old boy. I have an uncle in England who has an excellent situation in a hunting lodge. In a hunting lodge? What does he do? He is a hat rack. No. <laughs> That's using his head. Come to order here, will you? Have you got any more complaints now? Yes. Santa must get rid of these infernal sleigh bells. Why? They keep ringing in my ears all the time. It's horrible. Ah, uh, it sure looks bad, McRingle. Yeah. Let's put the whole thing to a wall. All those reindeer not in favor of working like horses, say nay. Nay! <laughs> well, there you are, McRingle. Our minds are made up. Well, let's go back to Santa's office and talk it over with him. Yeah, come on. Maybe Santa will realize that you reindeer have your points. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Well, I see you brought the reindeer with you, hop along. Everything is ironed out, isn't it now? No, Santa. Mm -hmm. Looks like they aren't pulling for you. Well, I can't understand your attitude, dear. Haven't I always tried to be big? Now, that's just your trouble, Santa. You're too big. Mm. Yes, we're tired of hauling all that blubber around. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I wasn't so fat when I started. 
but I guess I've gained a little in the interim. Yeah, you gained a little in the outer rim, too. <laughs> yes, and we are through with all that. Every Christmas you make us sweat and strain, lift those presents, toe that sleigh, get a little tired and we land in Glendale. <laughs> <laughs> Deserted by my own reindeer. Well, now the good little boys and girls won't get their presents. Hop along. Why don't you take my place tonight? Hitch up a team of Broncos to the sleigh and deliver the presents yourself, hmm? Now, hold on, Santa Claus. We can't all of a sudden switch over to a Western-style Christmas. Well, why not, Hoppy? We could be guest riders in the sky. <laughs> Ridiculous. We couldn't use mistletoe because it's not Western. Hmm. The men would have to kiss the gals under the cactus. That's bad, huh? Sure, you might miss the gal and hit the cactus. <laughs> well, with some gals I've seen, there could be break. Oh. <laughs> so you don't think a Western Christmas would work out, huh? Well, Santa, think of Christmas Eve and a bunch of carol singers under your window singing Cow Cow Boogie. <laughs> I'm afraid that wouldn't be so good, no. And picture me riding in the town on a buckboard and Instead of saying, up, thunder, up, blitzen, I'd be cracking my whip and hollering, Mute! No, Sam, I couldn't do that to the kids. Besides, I couldn't get down the chimney like you do. Well, why not? Well, my gun triggers might scrape against the chimney and plug me in the leg. Mm. Then I'd really be happy. <laughs> well, uh, couldn't you take off your guns? Take off my guns? Why, that's the same as running around naked. Yeah. No, Santa, we can't disappoint those kids. They want an old-fashioned Christmas. Well, then it's up to the reindeer. What about it, reindeer? No! No! no. no. Inside, not me. Well, we got to convince them. Listen, reindeer, don't you realize that you're just as much a part of Christmas as old Santa himself? You're celebrities. Why, I'd even be proud to take you to Hollywood and put you in one of my pictures. Oh, well, how does that suit you now, Dancer? Oh, who, me? Yeah. Look, I just simply think I go out of my mind, if you mean me, because I can just see myself now yeah. dancing along the boulevard with a neon harness and an upswept tail do. Well, what do you say, Reindeer? Are you going back to work? Yeah. Well, well, I'll, uh, I'll never be able to thank you enough, Hoppy. Never. Well, Santa, it's mighty hard to keep everybody happy. Reindeer are no different from folks. We all have to give a little, and that way we'll all get a lot out of life. Hop along, you said it, and you said it good. You've saved Christmas for all of us kids. Santa Claus rides again. <laughs>
Fergie, could I say a few words over the radio to my pals? Yes, I, I think I know what you have in mind. Go ahead. Thanks, Fergie. Hey, Skinny, are you listening? Did you get that football you wanted? And Skyler and Horseface? I hope Santa Claus comes through for you. <laughs> I'll see you all later at our house. Bergen's fixed up everything swell for the party. I'll say this, when it comes to parents, I could have done a lot worse. And you know, I'm kind of glad that he's my family. Well, so long, kids. And as Bergen tells me every Christmas, when you count your presents, count your blessings, too. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas! Thank you for listening. I hope you'll be alongside next week when I uncover more gems from the golden age of radio. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a wonderful weekend. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.